0: Just before I talk, one of the things we've done in this church is have, uh, as well as house groups, introduce some streams in the church, book groups, short-term groups, and uh, also to start some theology evenings. I'd like the people I've asked to come and just say a minute each how things are going. And uh, we need Elaine. She said she'd be in, but maybe she's too busy supervising the catering. Uh, But Debbie and Eleanor and Paulette, and Patience. Fantastic. So in Elaine's absence, we'll start with Lucy.
1: Well, we've been doing a stream called Going Global, and um, basically it's about we've all got a mission, and um, we're all called to... Um, take the love of Jesus out into the world and it doesn't mean necessarily going to Africa or to India or to China but we've got so many of the nations here in London, it's wonderful so we've been, um, it's been really exciting actually, we've got an amazing group of people who are already doing it and we're sharing, it's very interactive and last um, Thursday we had Trina come and she was talking about her experience of Jesus taking her to Brazil working in the favelas where she could get shot at any minute and it was really amazing and then she was talking but actually wherever we are um, she was talking about she went to Bromley and how Jesus led her in Bromley to go and talk to a lady about Jesus and pray with her. And then she'd actually taken an overdose, and she, ne- she was um, taken off by the ambulance, but she didn't know that when she was um, praying with her. It was amazing. So we want to, we've got one more week, and that's not this Thursday, but the Thursday after. So if you want to come along just for the one-off thing, um, we'll, we'll keep doing that. And if you're really excited in knowing more about what Jesus wants you to do, in your mission, whether it's abroad or whether it's here in the UK, then we're having a special weekend on November the 22nd to the 24th, which is just the day after the Going Local, Friday to Sunday lunchtime. And um, it's a retreat where we'll have lots of time to listen to Jesus about our calling, about what he said to us in the past, pray for each other and um, share stories. So you're very welcome. If you want to come, I've got some invitations here. I can tell you all about it.
0: Is that one minute? No, it's longer. <laughs> Thank you, Lucy. So we've had Readmark learn, a group of new Christians, and Patience and Paulette, do you want to tell us about that?
2: Hello, good morning. My name's Patience. I've been coming to this church now for a few months after I completed the Alpha course. So um, I was, when I saw about this dream, I was, really, I was really keen to go, but I was quite nervous as well because I'm quite a, a newbie. Um, and I remember on the first... The first session we had, I was very quiet. I didn't really say much. I felt quite inadequate. Um, I had a healthy dose of imposter syndrome. Which, um, but as the weeks have gone on, my confidence has grown. I really, really look forward to going to the sessions. Um, I've learned that no question is a stupid question. I'm able to ask things and to, to learn more about the gospel, and it's been an absolutely fantastic experience. So thank you. Hi, my name is Paulette, and I've been coming here for um, about a year following um, doing Alpha last year. And the the, the, the stream that we've been doing, Study and Mark, has been, um, I think Nigel set it up as a follow-up to, to Alpha um, because the Alpha community, most people that have done that, they kind of want to still stick together and do something. And what I have loved about doing this um, this Bible study, which is actually the first time that I've, I've done a, a formal kind of Bible study, but even in saying the word "formal" is probably not um, true because it's very relaxed. I love that we we come together and we're really just picking at exploring God's Word, um, which you know when you think about the Bible it can be quite intimidating. But you know the Bible is many books, many different authors, and what I enjoy about this um, looking at the the Mark is that we're taking the time to to look at the there and the then and to look at how the there and the then comes across the bridge to the here and the now so it's about context it's about how we can apply god's word to our lives today we have um, a few more weeks left so we finish on the fourth we meet every week every wednesday evening right upstairs um my leg muscles have grown, so um, and so we meet up there and we, we finish on the fourth of, of December. So please, you know, if you uh, want to come along, just feel free to come along and join us for for great conversation
0: about God's word and each other. Thank you. We've had a book group led by Sam, Devi, and Ellen. Are going to talk about that?
3: Hi, I'm Debbie. I was asked to talk a little bit about the book group. Um, we have so far met for four, four Wednesdays, we've got one more to go, and we're discussing this book. It's basically what it says on the tin, how to pray, a simple guide for normal people. <laughs> and for someone who's always struggled with prayer, and um, really find, has found prayer a battle, this was like pressing a refresh button for me. It's actually a very, very good book. It's very, very practical. And actually, what was most stimulating is that we were discussing it in a group. And um, the group was very mixed in varying ages. And it was absolutely amazing to hear different point of views. If we don't agree with things, we we'll discuss it. If we find things difficult. And it was a really amazing time. Actually, a conversation was well, quite stimulating. The next thing about it is that, like I said, it was quite a mixed group. And people I wouldn't... Um, have an opportunity to chat with before the group was there, so actually it was a great opportunity to to, to meet people, but like I said, I haven't had opportunities to chat with, and it um, was, was very good.
4: Um, yeah, to kind of second that, um, I've really enjoyed being in the group and just being with people that I really wouldn't associate with and it's a bit shameful me to say but one person i hope you don't mind me putting out but barbara for example hi barbara um when she came to the group i was like Oh, my goodness, I've actually never spoken, like, had a genuine conversation with her. And um, it was just such a privilege to, like, get to know you and hear what she has to say. Um, Turns out she's a certified legend, so chat to her. Um, She's fed up of Apprentice, if you don't know. Uh, (laughs) But, yeah, um, it's just been so fun. I've loved being with the people. And it's kind of, again, to second what Debbie said, um, we can disagree without being divided. We can disagree without... Then turn into dislike each other and all that kind of stuff. So it's been amazing to just have discussion and um, share and grow in faith and grow in prayer. And um, yeah, I've 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 loved it. Thanks, Sam, for leading the group. Um, it's been excellent. And everyone that's come, thank you for coming as well. Um, yeah, that's it.
5: Hi, I'm uh, been part of the uh, theology stream. We, we, we're, we're only a once a month rather than uh, every week. So we've had two so far. We had Steve Latham come and speak about um, what is theology. And then a couple of weeks ago, Carol Bostridge came and talked about the Gospels and why was John's Gospel so different. I have to tell you, it blew me away. It was just fantastic. We d- kind of did little bits. Uh, she set us little bits of work to do. She... So it wasn't just somebody teaching from the front, it was very much interactive, it it was superb, and it's kind of given me a new thirst to read John and to look at the gospel slightly differently. And so this coming Wednesday, I'm doing a plug here, this coming Wednesday we uh, have Nigel Pocock, he's currently in Ireland at the moment teaching, but uh, he should be back by then, uh, and we 're doing creation, and this is the whole reason the theology stream happened was because of Nigel when he did theology uh, did creation in my house group it it blew me away, and I just thought, why when we talked this before, it was very, very helpful and we looked at and he i 'm sure he will be looking at what other people groups at that time believed in when uh, creation started, and uh, it's very similar. And I was like, why didn't I know this? I guess if you have been to theology school, you'd know it anyhow, but I hadn't. And uh, and he looks at things like uh, creation, evolution, how they can marry together. You don't have to be one extreme or the other extreme. And just very helpful when you're talking to your friends, and when they ask you about... um, Well, what about creation? You know, you creationists, and you can look a bit dumb sometimes. But he'll explain in such a way that it will give you real tools to share with other people. So that's my plug for Wednesday. I know it clashes with all the other ones, but uh, Wednesday at 8 o'clock, here for good for the Theology Stream. And we've got another three to do, and hopefully we will go on right through until the beginning of April, and Steve Letham will be back to do a couple of sessions with us.
0: Thank you very much, Elaine. That's great. Good. Let's press on. If you could put the first slide up, please, Ben. uh, We are going to look at the Bible, but I want to say a couple of words in farewell to Sam. Just to say it's wonderful to hear from Melissa this morning, wonderful to pray for them. There's more we can say, and you'll have the opportunity over lunch to say words of appreciation for them. And we have got gifts and things we haven't forgotten that side but that's happening at the lunch so there's more to come after the service now sam's mentioned a couple of things from his perspective um, i like to keep up with people's news it's not that i'm into gossip at all of course but uh, i do like to keep up with people's news and about 10 years ago i heard that melissa had found a boyfriend at uni And I heard he was a nice guy. But then people said, have you seen the hair? That's weird, the hair. Every time they talked about this boyfriend Melissa had found, they said the hair. So I I found an old photo. Next, please, Ben. (laughs) And uh, that is Sam in Durham. And so, have you seen the hair, people said. And the next photo, please. So... um, and I wasn't going to say this today but Sam reminded me of our first meeting and it, it was I wasn't colluding with PJ. I rocked up one day and then the hair and Sam were there and for some reason I kind of got on a, a roll. He seemed to be up for it but I was like, yeah, how long have you been going out with Melissa? And then I just kind of ramped up. Do you realize how special she is? Do you realize what a fantastic person she is? You've got to take care of her if you're allowed to go out with her. You know, you've got to be top Not. I just went on and on and on, and Sam seemed to, to cope with it. So that was our first meeting. A uh, picture of Sam working in the office now. This is recent, uh, him working in the office. And we thought that if he was good enough to get engaged to Melissa... Then he was good enough to employ at church. And he's been involved in so many things over the last nine years. I'm sure we'll hear about more of them later. Uh, he's pictured here with uh, his laptop and he's been our tech expert. Uh, and also I felt uh, his brain power and speed have like been a brand new MacBook Pro and mine have been like um, an old PC in comparison. So we'll miss uh, the brain power and the speed of thought. He's been involved in lots of uh, ministries at the church. Next slide. Uh, There's uh, Ben's baptism from a number of years ago, uh, and uh, he's done weddings. I wasn't going to say this, but uh, Sam comes up with things off the top of his head from time to time. I I need to be scripted or I get in deep trouble, but he's good at coming. And some of them are absolutely fantastic gems of revelation from Jesus, and some of them he opens his mouth and realizes what he said afterwards. Uh, I wasn't going to point this out, but uh, I think you're up for it. I remember a wedding. He was taking the wedding, and he was doing the preach, and his point was Jesus can bring us peace in our lives, Uh, and his way into that was to look at the couple and say, you know, has it been stressful in the lead up to this wedding? And they nodded, yes, of course, it's always stressful. And then he said, it'll be easier next time. (laughs) He wanted to say something nice. He wanted to bring the piece of gum. He didn't realize the implications of what he was saying by making that remark. Uh, But Sam's leaving with his training not being complete. He's never taken a funeral. So thanks for being so healthy over so many years. So sorry we haven't completed your training. He actually done the music at funerals, but he hasn't led a funeral. But great to be a church pastor and never take a funeral. This is why Sam didn't join the Anglican church. So he, he came to the free church. Uh, and that photo reminds me of one other thing. I am very jealous of his metabolism. He eats more than me. He has breakfast. He comes to work. By 10 a.m. He's starving. But he doesn't put any weight on, so I'm very jealous of his metabolism. Of course, uh, he married Melissa in 2011, next photo. And uh, that does demonstrate his dancing skills, which are (laughs) renowned. I didn't have a a video to play on there, but you can see by yeah, just the kind of shape of it that he's not going to go on strictly in the near future. Uh, And then, of course, they thought they'd start a family. And uh, doing the kind of Mary and Joseph thing, they are in Israel there. And Sam's done a number of trips to Israel and uh, has headed up, uh, as was said by Scott, our overseas missions team. And then here they are as family. Next slide. And that's a wonderful family you saw up here and you heard from Sam and Melissa. So it's been wonderful to have around Uh, Most of that was focused on Sam. Obviously, I've known Melissa all her life. I nearly put up a picture of Melissa as a a toddler with Rupert, uh, Justin, and Liz's son. I almost put that up, but uh, I thought that would go on uh, too long to do loads of photos of Melissa. But she's been and is an absolute delight. Uh, I've known her, and some of you have known her all her life. And she did allude to that time. I'd actually forgotten. I'd cancel the trip to be there, but uh, sometimes I lo- I love the fun, uh, I love all the joy, it's been an absolute blast in the office, particularly some of the things that Luke and Sam and Tim got up to over the years, but sometimes the, the most profound things are the hardest and uh, I can never forget being in the corridor outside the room uh, where Judy, Melissa's mum, died and then, after they grieved as a family p j and the three girls then going in and seeing her mum and seeing them at that time, so sometimes the the hardest things are also very, very precious and very profound so that's good and and let's shortly when we've uh, read a passage from the Bible, had a very short preach will be celebrating more with sam and melissa sam has helped at alpha i'm glad you talked about alpha and uh, if you put the next slide up and then click this is sam helping at the alpha course a little while ago That's Eleanor, show him how it should be done. Sorry, it's gone weird. I had no idea. It's never In all the preparation, it never switched to sideways. So uh, we'll click off that and move on. What is he doing? I thought i got Mr. Reliable on PowerPoint. And it's uh, all going horribly wrong. The next slide... Is that possible to go on to the next? <laughs> that's all. That's all. My hope is built. I'll leave the singing to Sam. And uh, great musician, great worship leader, developed other people in worship leading, learned to play the drums while he's been here. Uh, so many, many talents. Have we managed to get back in? To I've got the passage on the PowerPoint, so uh, I need it. I haven't brought a Bible up here. Okay. Well, it was all going so well and seamlessly, and uh, Sam is yeah. Sam is panicking that uh, it'll all fall apart next week. I've got no idea why it went so wrong there, but uh, let's find a Bible and carry on. If you'd like to turn to Mark chapter 14. It's all right, I've got one. Mark chapter 14. And uh, I knew we were going to do feedback on the streams, and we've been in the book of Mark, so I thought it'd be good to pick... One story from the book of Mark that uh, our group hasn't got to yet, hasn't looked at yet. Just one cameo of the life of Jesus. Let's read it together. Uh, Mark chapter 14 and the first nine verses. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Meanwhile, Jesus was in Bethany at the home of Simon, at the leper. While he was eating, a woman came in with a beautiful alabaster jar of expensive perfume made from nard. She broke open the jar and poured the perfume over Jesus' head. Some of those at the table were indignant. Why waste such expensive perfume, they asked. It could have been sold for a year's wages and the money given to the poor. So they scolded her harshly. But Jesus replied, leave her alone. Why criticize her for doing such a good thing to me? You'll always have the poor among you and you can help them whenever you want to. But you will not always have me. She's done what she could and has anointed my body for burial ahead of time. I tell you the truth. Wherever the good news is preached throughout the world, this woman's deed will be remembered and discussed. So just to set the scene briefly, uh, it's very near, very, very near the end of Jesus' earthly life and ministry. It's festival time. It mentions two festivals, Passover and Unleavened Bread. They could be considered as a two, but they really merge into one. And they're linked together as one. It's crucial for Israel. And if you know the story and the history, God's people were in slavery in Egypt. God raises up Moses. Moses says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. But then after many plagues, they're still in slavery. Then the last plague will be an angel of destruction coming and killing all the firstborn in the nation. But God's people could take a lamb, the Paschal lamb, and kill the lamb and put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts and the lintel of their homes. And the angel of destruction, the angel of death, would pass over and they and their families would be spared. That's the Passover and the unleavened bread. Uh, They needed to get out of Egypt in a hurry so they didn't have time for their bread to rise. And the festival became focused on Jerusalem when they were established in the nation. Uh, But people could still celebrate. If they couldn't get to Jerusalem, they could still celebrate the festival. And if they were poor and couldn't afford a lamb, they could take the unleavened bread and still remember God setting them free from slavery. So Jerusalem is there and the city would be absolutely buzzing. It's only two days before the festival starts And it probably had a population of about 25,000, 30,000, but it'd be swollen, to maybe 80,000 or even 300,000 for the festival. So that's the scene set. And then the plot to kill Jesus. There's an anti-Jesus agenda going on. And if you know the Gospels, that's been building and building through the story. And I liked what uh, Paulette said about going to the the then and there and then building bridges with the here and now. And this is history, but also there's an anti-Jesus agenda, I think, in society. There are people that have values and are acting against Jesus. Obviously, we can see persecution in many parts of the world. But the things that Jesus stands for in terms of justice and humility and self-sacrifice are worked against and campaigned against by people that hate Jesus, and he's rejected today. It's interesting that religious authorities sometimes do that most strongly. And the religious establishment is united, and they're conspiring against Jesus. It says the chief priests and the teachers of the law. And that could include the high priest, could include the worship leaders, the leader of the temple worship, the main religious teachers, And the temple treasurers, the whole religious authority hierarchy, wanted Jesus dead. But they had a dilemma. He was so popular. If they arrested him in the middle of the festival, they might cause a riot. But if they waited till after the festival, Jesus might have gone. And they'd missed their opportunity. So they had to do it. But they had to do it quite sneakily and quite stealthily. And there are two strands that get stronger and stronger in the latter parts of all the Gospels. One is the deliberate action of leaders and authorities to engineer Jesus' demise. There's an anti-Jesus agenda, and leaders and authorities work together against him. But the other strand that emerges through the Gospels is Jesus' love for his Father, Jesus' obedience to Father God in choosing even to embrace a violent death. And he becomes the perfect Paschal Lamb who will be sacrificed, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And uh, this is slightly adaptive from something I read this week. God's saving design and man's malevolence are woven together into an immensely powerful drama which ends not with a cruel crucifixion at Calvary But beyond that, with the ultimate triumph of the resurrected Jesus. So there's people operating and working against the purposes of God and the person of Jesus. But Jesus is loving and serving and willing to lay his life down. And winning, not so much as a roaring lion, but as the sacrificial lamb. And when you read Revelation and we sing songs about the lion and the lamb, we think of uh, lion creatures in the book of Revelation, don't we? And actually, he's only referred to as a lion once in the whole book of Revelation, but 19 times he's shown as the lamb. And Jesus wins by self-sacrifice and love and humility. Jesus is at Bethany, it says, and that's about two miles away from Jerusalem, staying with friends. Who lived in Bethany? Mary and Martha and Lazarus, their brother. Uh, But he was at the home of Simon the leper. Does that sound a bit odd? Lepers weren't allowed to be at home. And they certainly weren't allowed to have people around and extend hospitality. There's one theory that maybe Simon owned the house, and because he was a leper, he was kind of cast out and couldn't be there. But uh, what I like to believe that's even better is that Simon the leper, that was what he got called. But he met Jesus, and Jesus completely healed him. And that's why it was at home and welcoming Jesus round. So Bethany was a special place, just two miles from Jerusalem. Jesus had healed Simon the leper. Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead. Jesus had ministered to Martha and Mary, and that's where he was. And then finally, we see a woman with an act of amazing love. She takes probably her one prized possession. It's nard or spike nards, a special perfume imported all the way from India. It's pure nard. It's genuine. It's not an imitation or watered down. And it's very expensive. And it's the one thing of value that she has. She breaks the neck of the jar, so all of it is going to be poured out, and it's going to be poured out as an offering to Jesus as she anoints his head. It's a blessing, and it's an act of extravagant love. I want to finish by looking at three perspectives on the story, and then we'll close and we'll go for lunch. And the first is looking through the lens of the disciples and it says in this version here in Mark, some of those present, some of those present. And if you look at the parallel uh, account in Matthew, it talks about it's actually the disciples. It's not just some general people. It's actually some of Jesus, own disciples were present and they were indignant. They felt anger towards this woman in their hearts. She's done this extravagant act of love, but they feel angry about it. And they, then they open their mouths and say, what a waste. She's poured out a most precious thing as an offering to Jesus. And they say, what a terrible waste. And they got reasons. They engaged their minds to justify while they were thinking that and saying that. It was worth 300 denarii. That's something like a year's wages. You could sell it and have given the money to the poor. And then they rebuked her harshly. And that word harshly can be a word used of an angry horse snorting. So they felt bad and angry towards the woman. They said, you're just total waste. Giving your best to Jesus is a complete waste. They had an argument for it. It could have been used for the poor. And they harshly criticized her snorting like angry horses. I don't know about you, but I'd like to count myself as a, a disciple or follower of Jesus and it's a sobering warning, isn't it? These were his followers. These were going to people filled with the Holy Spirit. that were going to change the world. But their hearts weren't in a good place even two days before his death on a cross. And I think as a, a follower of Jesus, it's a sober warning. What's my heart like? What am I thinking about other people? Am I attacking them and putting them down? We can't be complacent. I can't be complacent. I need Jesus to soften my heart. That's a lesson from this. And then we look at the person of Jesus here. And he's willing to lay down his life. He's been predicting his own death. If you read Mark's gospel, it says, and he predicted his death. And the second time, he predicted his death. And in this passage, a third time, he predicted his death. He's willing and knowing And getting closer and closer to that point and ready to lay down his life completely and fully through death and torture as a sacrifice for our sins to set us free. And here he's only two days and two miles away from torture and death. But he fulfilled his mission. He didn't run away. He gave his life to save us because he loves us. And it's so precious to see Jesus in all the pages of Scripture. And even though that pressure was on him, can you imagine that? You know you're going to be tortured and die in two days' time. He defends the woman. He says, leave her alone. And then he says this remark, the poor you'll always have with you, and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. In doing that, he's not trying to justify poverty He's not unconcerned by poverty. This is an exceptional time. He won't have a good death. He won't be properly embalmed. And so this is him being anointed for burial two days in advance. And Jesus isn't complacent about poverty. He knows his Bible well. If you know your Bible well, then you're like Jesus. Deuteronomy 15 verse 11 was probably in his mind. And it says this. There will always be poor people in the land Therefore, I command you to be open-handed towards your brothers and sisters and towards the poor and needy in the land. God's not prescribing poverty. He's describing the reality that in our fallen world, there will be poverty. Someone said this recently. It's not because we can't feed the poor. It's because we can't satisfy the desires of the rich. It's not that we can't feed the poor. There's enough food in the world to feed the poor. It's because we can't satisfy the desires of the rich. And we're commanded in Deuteronomy 15 to care for the poor. And normally when you show your love for Jesus, it won't be kind of giving something away. But you'll be showing it in the way that you do help the poor. People that are in poverty of mind or spirit or of money or possessions in helping them. You will be showing your love for Jesus normally. Feed the hungry, clothe the naked, visit those in prison, as Jesus said. And what you do to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you're doing to me. And uh, a person many of us think of is, is Mother Teresa in terms of selfless love for Jesus. And she writes this. Our congregation is fully devoted to feeding Christ who is hungry, clothing Christ who is naked aiding Christ who is ill, offering shelter to Christ who is ousted. And so normally in serving the poor, we are serving and blessing Jesus. But in this case, it was a special time. It was just before his death. And it was appropriate for that woman to anoint him for burial. And then we finish by looking at the woman herself. She's unnamed here. If you read a parallel passage in John, she is named as Mary, Martha's sister, but Mark doesn't record that here. She so loved Jesus that she gave her most precious possession to him. And what a wonderful example of being so thankful towards Jesus that she felt free to give her money, her future financial security to Jesus as an expression of love and it's a wonderful thing and i want uh, us to go out today just thinking she was just free and so thankful to god so loving jesus that her financial security her future she just broke it all and poured it out on jesus head as a wonderful offering do i love jesus Have I lost my first love for Jesus, that warning that we know in Revelation? Do I appreciate the sacrifice he's made in saving me? I think I need to be inspired by this woman, and hopefully we all are. And it's a a simple thing. I think God led her to do that. She wanted to do that because she loved Jesus so much. And I remember Sam uh, saying that in discipleship, keep it simple. What is God saying to you? And what are you doing about it? Let's have this model of extravagant love for Jesus. What is God saying to me? And what am I doing with that? And she must have trusted Jesus to care for her, like the widow that gave her last two coins uh, in the offering at the temple. She must have trusted, if I've given everything to him, he's going to care for me. And Matthew 6.33, we often read, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the things you need will be added to you. So... Just be extravagant in your love for Jesus. Another translation I read of that this week says, he will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. And that selfless act by the woman shows that she valued Jesus and made God's kingdom her primary concern. Jesus said that she's done something beautiful for me. She's done something beautiful for Jesus. The word "beautiful," and and again, it's all kind of one word that stood out from Sam's preach last week: the beautiful acts in the name of Jesus and for Jesus. The word "kalos," uh, I believe, it means beautiful, good, or pleasing. An outside goodness, a seen goodness, good as it strikes the eye. Thus, something beautiful, a work of moral beauty. Can I do something beautiful for God? like this woman did. Don't have to overcomplicate things. Just something out of love for Jesus that's beautiful to him and for him. If I just do that, it'll be such a a wonderful thing. Uh, Some of us were at a conference yesterday called the Everything Conference about uh, living for Jesus in all the spheres of life that we live and work in. And a number of the stories, people were running prisons and doing all sorts of projects uh, a number of the stories were about helping just one person. And Mother Teresa picked her up, her first dying person on the streets of Calcutta. And then a whole ministry sprang from there. One guy met an unemployed kid on the estate. There's no way he could get a job. And he helped him find employment. And he started a whole charity on the back of that. Just do something beautiful for God. Something beautiful for God. That's a wonderful inspiration. Verse 8 says she did what she could. God doesn't expect you to go to the ends of the earth necessarily. But if we just do something we can. She had that alabaster jar. She chose to give it all to Jesus. It's something within her power. It was a big sacrifice. It was a beautiful act towards God. But it was in her power to do. So God doesn't expect the earth from you. He doesn't expect you to do things that you cannot possibly do unless he calls you to do those and gives you the power to do them, but he does expect us to do what we can. And she did what she could, and that's a wonderful uh, image for us. She did something prophetically significant. And our verse for the month is Revelation nineteen ten. Worship only God, for the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness for Jesus. And she anointed him. She may not have realized how significant it was, but that was anointing him for burial. Things we do for Jesus, things we do to help people, things we do inspired by God can really be prophetic and speak loudly and be a clear witness of who Jesus is. So let God guide you. Uh, A friend of mine used to uh, kind of do weird stuff. She'd be at a supermarket checkout And she'd see someone kind of struggling through their bag trying to find money. And she'd say, I'm paying for that person's shopping. And she would, just felt inspired by God to do it. Something beautiful for God, something we can do, something that's prophetically significant, showing there's a generous God who loves people. And finally, she created a memory. Verse 9, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, whenever the gospel is preached throughout the world... What she's done will also be told in memory of her. And here we are, 2,000 years later, and we're thinking of her. We're thinking of her. And it's great if we can follow that, if we can do something that shows our love for Jesus, if we can do something beautiful for him, if we can do something that we can do, it's within our power, We can do something that's prophetically significant and we can create memories that are precious to us and show who Jesus is to the world. And uh, as we've heard a bit this morning, and we'll hear a bit more later, Sam and Melissa are leaving behind many happy memories of caring for people, serving people, blessing people and investing in people. And we're thankful to God for that. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your wonderful inspiration to us. We thank you that you love us so much. Lord, help us to be inspired by you, Lord Jesus, for you to be our vision. And Lord, thank you for the inspiration we get from the Bible where we see women and men who've been inspired to love you and serve you. And what they've left behind is something beautiful that's a sweet fragrance and is a testimony to you, Lord Jesus. Lord, inspire us with the clear and simple things. Let's do something beautiful for you. Thank you, Lord. Amen.